Welcome to the Along Come Norwich podcast, a relaxed meander around the issues occupying the minds of Norwich City supporters, described by one iTunes review as a bit like stumbling across a conversation down the murderers, and we'll take that. I'm Tom and I'm here with Andy. Hello. John. Hello. And we're joined this evening by Di, organiser of Proud Canaries and chair of Pride in Football. Hi. We'll have a ramble about our upcoming games against Hull and Arsenal, open the mailbag and see what you think was the best goal we ever conceded, and of course, round off with the ACN quiz. Can anyone top Rich's stellar 1.5 out of 6 top score from last time around? God, I hope so. Along Come Norwich is a website of considered, informed, sort of informed, niche Norwich City chat. So it's at www.alongcomenorwich.com. Com. And we're on iTunes now, so for those of you who listened before um, via SoundCloud and the website, you can subscribe on iTunes, which means we should be now on all other podcast-related apps, but if we're not, please let us know, and we all do our best to get on them. Yeah, I think if you tweet for the attention of John, every single niche kind of South Korean podcast yeah. app that doesn't feature our content... We can do that. Yeah, that's exactly how John would like to spend his time in between games. So let's kick off with Di, Di Cunningham from Proud Canaries. Uh, anyone who is in the dark, can you give us a quick overview of what the organisation is all about? Okay, so Proud Canaries started in around about 2013. It sort of fell out of the Justin campaign and the association that uh, a lot of fans still have with Justin. Um, but not, not just a great player, but obviously he was and still is the only, <laughs> the only gay uh, elite footballer ever uh, because no one else has come out so there can't be any other gay footballers can there um, but so yeah he's an icon he's an LGBT icon and um, there are there were certainly in 2013 at Carrow Road issues for LGBT fans which you know generally issues for all fans in terms of their match day experience you know hearing people use abusive language which demeans gay people um, is one and um, so yeah partly because we honoured Justin's memory and partly because just we wanted the Carrow Road to be a more pleasant place for everyone we worked with the club to, to, to sort things out like reporting and, and anecdotally or with facts and figures if you have them has there been an improvement at Carrow Road and elsewhere? It is anecdotal. It's a real shame, actually. I think some academics are interested now in measuring the impact of LGBT fan groups. Because since Proud Canaries, and Proud Canaries was the second group, so the first one was Gay Gooners at Arsenal, and then there was a kind of real rush of uh, other LGBT fans at other clubs to get started. And now they're at, like, 30. And, yeah, anecdotally, if you are at a club that's got an LGBT fan group, it's got some kind of profile, I mean, think, you know, the Proud Lady White's banner, in the corner at White Hart Lane, which people see in Match of the Day and all around the world. If somewhere like that, where it's really visible that there are LGBT people in the stadium, it does seem that it is moderating other fans' behaviour. It's not, you know, complete, it's not a complete solution. It needs to be stewarding and other fans need to be empowered to challenge stuff that they hear. Um, but it does seem to be the case that, yeah, um, it's a nicer place to watch football if your club has an LGBT family. It's important at the moment as well, I think, with the rise of what you are talking about earlier on about uh, the Football Lads Alliance group. I think it's important that there are groups like Proud Canaries whose central sort of message is tolerance and inclusivity and mm. 
at the end of the day, everyone who goes to Cow Road is going for the same reason, and we all want as many people as possible to go to Cow Road. So, Do you know what? There's some lovely things happening, actually. We've had some real banter on social media with a, a Derby fan group who are Punjabi Rams, uh, and there's another group at um, uh, Bradford, Bangor Bantams. Uh, so it's really interesting because one of the kind of classic responses, particularly on social media, of people to the rise of uh, LGBT fan groups is, why do you need a separate fan group? Why can't you just join the same ones that we all do? You know, whatever next, there'll be a, you know, a, a, a fan group for red-headed fans next. And, uh, <laughs> and so you can say, okay, yeah, but there are some communities that un are underrepresented and people who could be supporting their local team who don't feel comfortable enough at the ground to do that, uh, then include them. You know, hopefully you don't need a special group for forever and hopefully that group, having that group doesn't s stop people from engaging with existing factories. I mean like Proud Canaries uh, have a place um, on the uh, Canaries Trust, you know, and uh, are involved with uh, the Atmosphere Group and Bartley End Project, so it doesn't mean that that's the be-all and end-all of the status of the fan, but it um, it helps. Well, if you've got a single, um, you've got a single person who is engaged to look into football as a pastime, who might have previously felt, no, I don't want to be a, a member, you know, a member of that uh, group, as in the, the the football club. I don't want to sign up on the waiting list or anything like that. Then that's whatever it is, ten pound, fifty quid, whatever. I don't. I've been a season T holder a while. I'm not sure what you pay now to, to become a member, etc. But if you, every penny of that benefits all of us because it's another ten pound in Farkas back pocket to, to, to put towards a playing mm. squad. So and I, that that's one thing I've always struggled with. That, you know that kind of reaction, which is um, the whole what how is it hurting and how's it hurting you? What what does it matter to you? Like mm. unless unless you get into a stage where right the the Bangle Bantams are gonna they're gonna be have priority away seats wherever then yeah fair enough I'd be up in arms about it too but but one it's just a case of just more people having more inclusivity really can't see the issue so looking ahead Hull do they have a, a, a like minded group do you know what Hull did at a very early stage they had queer tigers which is a great name and had great logo as well with a rainbow what tiger. was the logo oh the rainbow tiger yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, they folded they stopped tweeting and we all started to worry and um, they weren't meeting up at away matches with other equivalent groups and um, do you know what it was the start of the downfall yeah well I mean there are other things going on at the club too weren't there <laughs> do they do they get do they fall out about like the changing of the name or something like maybe it was part part of part and parcel of that it all started to fall apart. Uh, I think some key you need organisers for these groups, don't you? And some key people uh, were moving away. I think, but um, yeah, since then, you know, Hull have um, uh, they've come down a league, haven't they? And uh, and it's it's not going well. Or is it? Well. <laughs> I've been looking at the at the manager in particular. His his win percentage in charge of CSK in Moscow was was fifty four percent from nearly three hundred games. So the guy seems to know how mm. to. I mean, maybe in Moscow it's all done through brown envelopes and cash and stuff. Maybe <laughs> it doesn't matter what happens on the pitch. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, actually, it's a fixture whole Norwich that really struggles for goals. You have to go back to nineteen seventy two since either side scored three. Um, with the odd goal settling all but one of the last 11 encounters. 
Um, and last time we met, you'll all remember, uh, it was a, a kind of basement battle in the Premier League with uh, with Tom Huddleston getting sent off shortly after Ryan Bennett snatched a, an 87th minute winner. Any fond memories of Hull Norwich games, you guys? Not at all. No, absolutely <laughs> it's not, not at all. It's not memory, is it? It's peak along come Norwich territory, though. Hull haven't won away from home since August 2016, which you might have down in your stats there, Tom. I'm not sure, but... They've so, scored a few goals recently, though, haven't they? They've got Jared Bowen, who's, who's got yeah. seven goals, um, but they've conceded 11 times away from home. Well, one of those games... They, Norwich. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> one of those games they conceded, they got thumped 5-0 at Derby, Derby a few yeah. weeks ago, and I, that game was live on Sky, and I happened to catch it. And it was never a five nil like performance either way. Like Derby didn't deserve to win five nil. Hull didn't deserve to lose five nil. Hull missed a penalty at one nil that would have changed the game because yeah. Hull were well on top at that point. And it was just it was one of those games where everything Derby hit went in, and everything Hull tried didn't come off. But then two or two or three weeks on, they smashed Birmingham at home this week. And I've been speaking to a Hull fan this week ahead of the game. And he said he described them in the same way that people would describe a Norwich last season in terms of they're very much kind of flat track bullies. Like they play a poor team at home, they'll steamroll them. As soon as anyone stands up to them, they fold. So I'm quite optimistic about Saturday. I know yeah, that's John like is, good news for us. Is not optimistic. No, I think I am optimistic. I think the the thing that we've struggled with recently, certainly at home, is breaking teams down. And the positive around that is I think Hull are a team who should have some kind of pretenses to, to challenge in the top six, having just dropped out of the Premier League. So they should come and actually give us a game. Whereas Birmingham have visited recently, we struggled to break them down. Burton parked the bus, we couldn't do much. So I think if they come at us, there's... Yeah, it doesn't um, sound like it's going to be much but Exactly, yeah. So um, I think there's there's spaces to exploit and Madison's in terrific form at the moment so hopefully he can get on the ball and do the business. And another big plus is, fingers crossed, Saturday might see the unveiling of the Alan Partridge flag. Oh, that's nice. Tell tell us about that, Andy. So the club have uh, got back to us on polls, which is the thing that's stopping us getting it at the moment we have the flag it's just fan group die this is (laughs) the Polish canaries (laughs) canaries. they're not allowed in apparently (laughs) so the thing that's stopping us at the moment is the flag is too big to hold up without sticks and poles basically so the club have had to seek special dispensation from the police and different safety groups They've now come back and said that they think they've got that. They just need to sign off the actual material. Could we not implement a weight programme for those standing in the Barclay? Um, stronger biceps means holding up the flag in a better way. Well, I'm taking my nine-year-old for the first time in the Barclay on Saturday, so I'm thinking maybe she can hold a pole. Well, get Alan up there. It's it, two metres by two. Two meters. by two, so it's not huge. Oh, and actually, the poles. You think it was, <laughs> was going to be late for the pitch? Oh, there are, there, are, no, there no. are bigger ones to come. Don't worry, do I? Are they? There are bigger ones to come. Um, okay, so a couple more things on on Hull. So they've they've still got their club record transfer in the squad from uh, the, the days in the Premier League. Anyone care to hazard a guess who that would Is be? That Hernandez. Yeah, close. Ooh. Um, out by three three million. Ryan Mason, thirteen million. Obviously, had that horror wow. injury. Is he um, back fit yet? Um, he's still he's still uh, listed on Wikipedia. He's in the squad. That's the way I'm going to answer. But, okay, that right. Yeah. So um, you don't know. So <laughs> the other thing we mentioned, Jared Bowen is, is currently top scorer with seven goals. Uh, he's joint top scorer with two other uh, strikers in the division. Um, can anyone tell me the other two? I'll go Bobby Reed. Yeah, Bobby Reed at Bristol City is correct. And a another. Think Ginsters, Pucker, Pies. 
So he's a fat lad. It is Gary Hooper, that's ah. right. Fat lad with seven. Um, so yeah, we're, we're looking forward to that one. I'm personally very, very confident. We'll do a quick set of score predictions because it is only a couple of days away. We are recording this on, on the Wednesday before the game. I'm going to go for a very, very comfortable 4-3 uh, nail-biter to Norwich. Is that, how is that comfortable? I was being sarcastic. Oh, sorry. I think, it's, I, 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 I think it'll be a, a nail-biting end-to-end. Uh, our defence finally stops looking... I'm so uncomfortable sensible. about that prospect. I couldn't possibly joke about it. It's going to be comfortable. It's going to be 3-0. Love that. Wow. Uh, a serious, tight, nervy 1-0. Yeah, I'm with Lorne. I don't often agree with Andy, but I will well, on this Well, the, the stats do suggest an odd goal does tend to, tend to settle it. Um, so moving on just slightly over the horizon from that game uh, is the, the League Cup run that we are on. Um, now, a few people have, have raised issues on, on Twitter and on other platforms around the ticketing of, of Arsenal. Um, I've heard lots of anecdotes of people getting through really easily, and if mm. anything, more so than, than those that were kind of shouted louder who seem to have been the minority. So can anyone shed any light on whether or not the club's dropped the ball here which is what people seem to be suggesting because I think they've massively dropped the ball to be fair because if you've got 5,000 tickets um, how many how many hardcore fans have we got what 2,000 absolute tops who are going to have the requisite amount of points to qualify for any any point system that we've done so I I think the club have really dropped the ball and it was a bit of a shambles and they've created an argument out of Nothing, you know, it's a shitstorm really that, that didn't need to happen. If they'd have just gone for points like they did with Ipswich, like they do with other games where they know it's going to be popular, 1500. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. Yeah, and I think it's £10 a ticket, it's half term. I think they probably should have spotted that, if I'm particularly honest. But to their credit, they've gone and got another three and a half thousand seats. and. You know, we we will now struggle to sell those. I'd imagine there's seven eight hundred left. I think um, at the time of recording. So, I think what I didn't particularly like is, however, it was I think the club's fault for not getting the ticketing policy right. But people who didn't get a ticket, who perhaps are regular away attendees, were having a go at the casuals, if you like, who just chipped up because they want their day out at the Emirates, and they were really quite nasty about it. Actually, it was this self-entitled well I should have a ticket over someone else where were you at Brentford on Tuesday yeah night, absolutely yeah. it was you know very much a, I, get a the frust- I get the frustration but I get that. it's not their fault that absolutely. they managed to get a ticket exactly. yeah, there is an issue as well isn't there about whether or not season ticket holders should have priority access mm. because a lot of season ticket holders don't go to away matches yeah. and so you're back to your, your points but even then you know there's an argument about people who aren't Norwich based who go to a lot of away matches. Mm. I think that's an important thing, though, is that whatever whatever the club do, they're going to disappoint someone. And I think we'd all agree that more often than not, the club with the point system get it right. This time they haven't got it right yeah. because they haven't implemented their own point system. But I well, was... They have got it right now, though, haven't they? I mean, well, I they've got, the ultimately, they've got it right. twice yeah. as much, but twice as much as... And I'm not, you know, being flash, but actually £20 to go to the Emirates isn't very much. No, you're right. No, and I think also... £10 is an incredible welcome. Also, in the club's defence, like, the popularity of those tickets has surprised me. I didn't think we'd sell 5,000. I mean, is there any... Do we know of any reason why being really naive as to why there isn't just a blanket 
day one of any tickets going on sale, it's points. Day two is the next set of points. Day three is season tickets. Day four is months. No, well, it's usually, I think, though, isn't it? Because but well, we like only have game, yeah. 2,000, 3,000 seats, absolute tops for an away game. You know, that's the kind of allocation that we'll take. So they've, you know, naively thought 5,000, actually, don't, not sure if we'll sell that. Stick it in general thing, straight away. But there is a thing that the club, the club get offered different amounts of tickets mm. from the home club and then uh, the ticket office at our end have to decide how many to take mm. and if they take 2,000 and sell 1,000 the club have to pay for the other 1,000 they don't just send yeah. them back and there's no risk involved so okay. there is there is an element of risk from the club side and you can't just say oh we'll have them all and whatever we don't well, sell we'll, no, we'll send back is even if you go conservatively because of, to start with because, because if, you, if you get the, the sales going yeah Get some more. Yeah, and, and then everyone gets busy, and then I've just bought some Norwich, t- I've just bought some Arsenal tickets. But I, I don't know why. But the, the point is, even, going back on what you said, Andy, even if even if we, I'm not saying you always go for everything. What, what even if you've only got twenty tickets, you could still do the point system on those twenty tickets, and then say, oh, we need another five. Mm. Oh, we need another five. You know how much happening can it be to bring up the buzz going? Yeah, and you did get the buzz going. Yeah. and so you know, some of those five thousand tickets did come back to the box office. I know because I had a. I had a terrible obligation that I almost <laughs> failed uh, to buy a whole bunch of Crown Canaries tickets. Because like, oh, no, they're not going to sell out. They're not going to sell out. Fortunately, some people brought them back. So I think there was that buzz. And I think, you know, yeah. in terms of marketing, that was a brilliant manoeuvre. It's like Blasto tickets and, and everything else there. You're right, the, bu- the buzz was there. So I mean, in, in the WhatsApp group with the boys where, you know, we, we usually have, right, Everyone's got everyone else's customer numbers logged in on all of their accounts, and it's a case of you know they're about there are fifteen of us who are at work and can't do it or whatever. And there's three or four. It's like no worries, yeah, I can start late. I'll be logged on. Um, and like you said, Andy, you're on the phone for for forty five minutes. It, it's part it's part of the game. Um, I, I feel, and you you win some, you lose some, sort of thing. I, I think I, there's something to be said around as well. Uh, normally that system works flawlessly because, as you say, you can have all the customer numbers of your friends logged yeah. in and you can add those tickets. Where what didn't help matters this time around was the technological failings that the club were having with the online purchasing of mm. tickets, mm. which I think just the frustration of waiting in a queue, seeing the loading bar get to the end and then be chucked back to the start. Yeah. I think that added to the frustration at the club generally. That no one's got any patience for anything from a tech point of view anymore. No, I mean, it's, it's ironic as well if you think about the how poor we are against Arsenal generally. You know, we, we get a win every decade. So we're five years before we should be due another one after we last beat at Carrow with Grant Holt scoring that goal in 2012. Um, so are we, as a group, optimistic? Because I mean, we're, we're all going, I assume? I'm not. I'm not oh, going. Okay. But I think there's a priority here. We play Ipswich two days before, and we'll, we'll get onto that in a minute. So, yeah. I mean, what would we take? Ipswich away, victory, or Arsenal in the Cup? 100%. Uh, in the uh, same way, though... Arsenal have some big games coming up around them. Yeah, so, yeah. And Rich talked about that last time, didn't he, on the podcast? Yeah, how, however, in the last in the last game, they started Walcott, Sanchez, Giroud, Mertesacker. It was not really a weakened team at mm. all. Now, again, that you know that that time they were a bit earlier in their season, um, but but yeah, I I don't know. I I would I would go with I would go with um, this. Because at the moment, you can get Norwich at twelve to one. Um, which which seems a little bit kind of low, really. <laughs> if he's going to put out a, a strong, a strong I think, team, I think that there's a potentially a benefit to going out because Farker is very keen to play strongest eleven in the cup games, and if we continue, and we've already had injuries this term as well, if we continue in that vein, um, 
then we may get more injuries and, and actually that could become a problem for us. So I, you know, I wouldn't be too fussed if we go out. I think it's a nice day for everyone who goes. Actually, we, you know, possibly get a decent highlights package on the telly and um, yeah, we'll right. crack on and hopefully beat Ipswich. I tweeted at the time of the, of, the, of the draw uh, something on the lines of, you know, we'll, we'll beat them in terms of singing. Um, a good performance will be a bonus and a win will be hilarious. Mm. And I, and I think that's pretty yeah. much the, the kind of attitude we'll go down there. So yeah, moving on to, to the game just before that, um, it is the filth, um, and we, yeah, I hope everyone's got the the mind the gap screenshots ready to go um, from from earlier in the season as it's it's, it's dwindled down to zero, um, as it is at the moment. We're just behind on goal difference, so obviously that we could actually overtake them um, come Saturday night anyway. Mm. After we dispatch Hull with one nil, four three, or, or three nil, you know it will be one of those three. Isn't <laughs> it? Um, how are you guys feeling at the moment going into that game? Genuinely, one of the most nervous times going into a derby. I think, okay, they've started well. They've continued that form. They're sc- they're not creating an awful lot of chances, but they're scoring goals. And there's a there's a, some kind of strange parallel universe that we're existing in here, where Norwich are a defensive, resolute, kind of tough to beat team, and Ipswich are actually playing free flowing football and passing the ball. And I can't remember the last time, but it was like that. So. Genuinely, really nervous. Mick McCarthy's fostered some kind of togetherness there, and um, I think at their place, I'm not saying we'll struggle, but I'm a bit more nervous than I usually am. That screams take a draw. Yeah, I'll take a draw. I'll yeah. take a draw. I'd I think always, I'd always take a draw on Derby Day. Yeah, I agree with that. I'd always take a draw on Derby Day. Never at home. I can't take uh, unless it's a, unless it can be guaranteed nil nil. I can't. Um, I can't bear the sound of them celebrating a goal. I can't, I can't handle it. Yeah. Um, so, so if we are, I've never seen, I've seen a few derby defeats. Obviously, I've never seen a final whistle of a, of a derby defeat um, because I can't bear to hear them celebrate it. I just can't, just can't handle it. it just goes through me. <laughs> but die is always super positive. Oh, so come um, on, shine I'll, some light on, on us. <laughs> so after our three 0 win against Hull, how are we going to get on the following week? I would be quite happy with the draw at Portman Road. No, it's it's really really anxious watching, isn't it? Mm. And uh, everyone plays differently. I think, you know, I really hope that Farker will control any. I'm just always terrified of sending off. Which so who who would we say would be the real red flags? Who would be really worried? Would we be most worried Teddy. about? Teddy, yeah. Oh, for a red. Pinto. Yeah. Tribal. But Tribal, I don't know, he's quite intelligent with the way he tackles. And I think once he's on a yellow, I've watched him after he's got yellow cards before, he's very, very intelligent in terms of, you know, they're, they're not fouls that are going to, you know, the referee's not going to brandish a, a book in after that. So I think he'll be all right. That's... Pinto's calmed down since the armband. We talked about yeah, that last absolutely. time. Absolutely. Um, he does seem to have grown up a bit on, on that side of things. Um, Nelson, but I don't think he'll be playing. I think it will be even if Nelson comes on and scores a couple of goals on Saturday I, I still think it'll be Jerome he just seems mm. to be the sensible head for occasions yeah. like yeah. that if we move on to the best opposition goal uh, this was something that came to us uh, in the kind of two weeks since we last sat down and, and, and did a pod uh, and we asked for some people to send in some suggestions so gentlemen would you like to kind of kick off with, with what's, what's come in yeah so basically it started off because uh, I had a conversation with some friends and we were talking about our favourite Norwich goals, and we could all name hundreds that we loved for various different reasons. But then when we suggested opposition goals, it was much, much harder to remember any goals at all that we'd conceded. Um, 
for me personally, the best one that I've ever seen in person is the Zola flick in the FA Cup replay back in 2002. A few people said that on mm. Twitter as well. Um, but then I'd completely forgotten about the Jack Wilshere one, the team goal for Arsenal. 4,000 passes. Yeah, which yeah. I think tops it for me because it was... Uh, all right, maybe not the Zola one, but a few people said Christopher Ogden and Robert Barker both said um, the Suarez 50-yard lob. For me, yes, it was a great goal and Suarez is a great player, but you can kind of imagine that happening on a Sunday. Mm. The Zola one is much less likely to happen on a Sunday. It was the special. It was one of those that you just kind of look at and I just applauded instinctively. It was just ridiculous. Uh, yeah. The Wilshire one is never going to happen on a Sunday. That that was a world-class goal, yeah. I think. It depends how bad the defence <laughs> you're playing against. <laughs> one yeah. touch pass and doesn't happen <laughs> on a Sunday. True that, true that. I understand that. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I, I would kind of deliberately try to think about it more from a, a occasion angle rather than... Uh, rather than a specific goal because we had so many brilliant suggestions and it's worth mentioning we're going to tweet a few YouTube clips um, when we put the pod up as well of, of some of the people some, some of the ones that people suggested because there have been some absolute belters although we didn't necessarily enjoy them that too much at the time um, one that uh, Rob Crane suggested was uh, Gareth Bale's goal uh, for Spurs I think it was it was either an equaliser um, in, in a Premier League game we, we were leading we drew one all was it? we yeah, drew one, yeah. all, one all and they they played well, but we just had the better of them, mm. and, they, and things weren't quite clicking for them. This is sort of a few years, obviously, before the really terrific Spurs team you see now. But he just sort of picked up the ball. I think I think we may have had a corner. I haven't found it on YouTube yet, but he definitely picked the ball up from at least halfway, mm. if not further, inside his own half. And he ran and ran and ran and ran and ran and ran and belted it in the corner. And there was a spontaneous round of applause because whilst it was frustrating and we needed every point in the Prem. You just had to say, well, that's, that's world class. Yeah. And, and then very shortly after that, he was off to, to Madrid. Um, that's off- the fastest I've ever seen a human run. It is ridiculous. That, that run was... Yeah. And he had full control of the sure, ball. He's a human and then he finished it. that he's a human. Well, let's not get into it. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, the, other, the other thing, that, the other one that uh, came to mind for me immediately when you suggested this, Andy, was the, the both Burkamp and Henri when we lost 4-1 to the Invincible. So it was the, the August, it was the start of the season, yeah. we'd just gone back into the Prem, and they'd won, as, as some traffic goes past the pod studio, um, they'd won, um, they'd been unbeaten the, the previous yeah. season. Um, and I think the, the Burkamp goal was in the 90th minute. The, Bur- the, the Omri goal was more impressive, but I think the, the Burkamp one, because it was 4-1, the game was out of sight, Huckabee had scored his, his penalty in the 50th minute. I think it was the only time we, we got in the box that day. Um, and there was just kind of an acknowledgement of this is probably one of the most complete teams we've ever seen because they've obviously still kept most of that squad assembled and even though we hadn't been there the previous season to see the Invincibles it was a case of, no, nah, fair play lads, you're, you're quite decent at football um, A couple of uh, hat-tricks as well, um, both for Matt Letizia. Yeah, and um, that was a great shout actually, I remember that game There was I think it was Paul Poynton who picked out Matt Letizia's long ranger in a 5-4 win at Carrow Road Was and that the 1990 or the 94 one? That had been 94, I was there that day and it was a really, really good game but I think Norwich went kind of 3-1 up and then they came back to 3 all. we went 4-3 up and I think it might have even been the equaliser that Letizia scored although he got a hat-trick that day like you say and it was a ridiculous goal you know. but then he scored many of those ridiculous goals he was one of those one-off special players that you know should have played at a much higher level than he did really yeah so so um, both Leo Dudley and um, Nigel Pover sent me uh, a link to the first Letizia hat-trick on the 90, mm. uh, on 1990 and they proceeded to have an argument about whether the 91 was better than the 94 one but um, 
you're in special company, I think, when you're arguing about mm. which of your hat tricks were, <laughs> were better than each other. Um, there was a lovely shout as well from uh, Jack, uh, who's at Totally Teddy on Twitter, of Jesse Reindorf, who scored uh, the third goal for Berry in a 6-3 League Cup game at Cow Road a few years ago. And I remember that really vividly because it was 6-2, I think, when uh, this guy Jesse Reindorf came on. I think it was his Berry debut. And he came on, and I've never seen a player look more like a competition winner. He was so excited to be on the pitch. And I think Berry got a corner, and it was like the 88th minute. Um, as I say, we're 6-2 up, no chance of any sort of comeback. And whoever was marking him was just stood still, and he was bounded around the box, like desperately trying to show that he could lose his man. The ball got cleared, and off he went, back to the halfway line. And then it broke to him about 35 yards out, and he just belted yeah, it in the top yeah. corner, and he went ballistic. Were they not singing before, well, as he came on, if Jesse scores were on the pitch? Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, yeah <laughs> and they didn't I, do it. Yeah. Don't we, lie we, through song. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't, you, you've, you've talked to it. You've got to take the band now. <laughs> you've got to come on the pitch and take the band. Okay, I don't know who scored it. He's, he scored the, the Forest goal there when we, when we beat the final. I'll give him that. Uh, we, uh, what, like this season just The, like, the yeah. same game as the house the in house volley. Yeah. I've completely forgot. I the thought goal. it was 4 0. <laughs> I, 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 I can't remember. 5 1, wasn't it? Yeah. Did they get in our half that game? It, yeah, they scored one. It was a belter, yeah. was it? Yeah, it's 5 1. We'll find it, we'll find it and we'll, we'll tweet it. I just had to give them, to, you know, the go yeah. But one, one more interesting one that, um, Di, you might have an opinion on this, is that my dad and a guy called John Holland on Facebook. Have you got an opinion on Andy's dad? Is this, is this, well, is he's a nice bloke. Well, okay. <laughs> he's better than Andy. They both mentioned uh, a Cyril Regis goal for West Brom years and years and years ago. And the reason uh, my dad mentioned it was that he was there at the time and saw the goal and didn't think it was all that special. But since, the goal has come to represent black footballers okay. in many ways because every time there's a documentary on racism in football or there's a documentary on the three degrees as they were known then uh, they always show that goal and he thinks that the portrayal of the goal since has coloured his view of the goal on the day so his memory of it is different because of the coverage coverage that it's got since mm-hmm. And do we feel like that about, about Justin Fashionu's goal? goal? Was that? Yeah, no, that was a belter. <laughs> it was yeah. a belter. But yeah. then it was almost replicated by um, Mr. Crofts, wasn't it? Mm. I think away at Barnsley. But Except talking of... that when he, when Justin scored, that ball was a really heavy, horrible old leather yeah. thing. But I forgot to ask you before, Di, Justin. So you've recently watched Forbidden Games and written a review for Along Come Norwich. It's on the website. At the very, moment. very good review. <laughs> But for our listeners who perhaps don't like to read, we'd really welcome welcome <laughs> your <laughs> for people who'd like to consume their content in a different way. Um, what were your thoughts on the film? I really didn't like it, and it is because you know Justin's such a hero, and but it's also because it's not a very good film. The BBC mm. have refused to show it; they wouldn't buy it. Oh, really? And the uh, producers say that that's um, because of I don't know they found some excuse but actually it's because it's not it's not very good filmmaking mm. it's really laboured it's really over emotive and it's not very accurate and you know one of the key things you can't get away from about Justin apart from the, the amazing goal and the fact he was a great player whose uh, career was sorted by injury by his knee injury um, is that he was gay he was out gay 
in the 90s and no footballer at that level has been able to do the same thing and so you know in in that alone he's a champion mm. what an incredibly brave and honest man and yet the, the film is is pulling away at, at little things that all football most footballers seem to share you know this idea that he was greedy that he was a narcissist you know how many footballers aren't <laughs> it's yeah. just that's just not a, a, a sufficient grounds to, to criticize how far away can we be Really, I mean, because Hitzelsberg wasn't it? He came out shortly after retiring, but ha- you know, and Robbie Rogers. Robbie when he, right. I mean, he is still playing. He couldn't say at an elite level, though. I think you know. He's he better was, than me, but yeah. When he was here, he was on loan to. Anyway, he's better than me at elite. Steve from Leeds. But she, but do you see what I mean? Just just statistical averages, you know. You just the think, average. how long can it be? Yeah. You know? the, the chances of there not being a gay footballer, and that's why none of them are out. Apparently, um, Bill Edgar of the Times, the Times statistician, worked it out. Right. It's uh, one to the quadrillion. Right, okay. One to the power um, 21. So it could happen. So, like, <laughs> that, I mean, that's just unfeasible. I just, you, one hopes that it is done when inevitably that, that's not, well, glass ceiling's the wrong, wrong term, are you? When, when, it, when those walls finally come down, it isn't an expose. It isn't right. Well, I've got to get this out because this has been leaked, or this is, you know, do you see what I mean? Like, hopefully, it is a right. Okay, I'm gonna be brave. It might be because actually I got whispered there might have been a story, but I'm gonna do this. I've already got my club behind me. I've already got the, um, you know, with proud canaries or whatever the. the I think the, one of the differences the you just said, I've already got my club behind me, is is that um, I've, I, my feeling is that it's going to be a youngster. It's going to be someone who's you know gone through. Academy, and you know, the 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 education for the kids now is so much better, isn't mm. it? Uh, academies attached to to football um, clubs have really good quality um, input in the modules, um, but those young players don't know where they're going to be playing next week, do they? You know, and even if you're at a club, you could be moved to another club. Why well, rock the boat? You mean? Mm. No, you just sure yourself at your club. But that might not be your club next week. Right, I see. So it's a completely different environment, potentially, and completely different. So Leeds, I might feel like I've got Leeds United support, but mm. if I then go to Oldham Athletic, maybe maybe I wouldn't have it. Mm. Yeah. I, I think that might be one of the issues. But um, yeah, I mean, some days they wake up and think, you know, today's someone's going to come out because all the marketing folks are saying this is going to be a cash cow for whoever does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to get so many, you know, modelling contracts and other kinds of. But what is it about football? Because in other elite sports, you know, there's a lot more openly gay um, participants. Is it the dressing room? Do you think, or you know, I've kind of thought about that long and hard a couple of times. And because rugby, there's you know, you know, a lot of gay players out. I'm not, I don't, I don't think I'm not allowed to say this. But when um, we first talked to David McNally about having proud canaries, he did suggest that uh, one of the one of the reasons there is homophobia in football in the dressing room and on the terraces, uh, but in the dressing room, is that football? not all footballers are very smart. I'm, I'm making that sound better. <laughs> 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 and, uh, I don't know, are they smarter in rugby and um, cricket? Hmm. And, yeah, probably. I haven't said my goal. Can I say about my goal? Oh, big pardon. Sorry. Yeah, I, I went off on a tangent about your justice. 
Um, someone else put it as well, but it was so Andy but said. You'll take credit. Yeah, well, yeah, but I'd already thought of it, of course. Um, but there's only two opposition goals that I've ever stood up and applauded. So the first was Zola's um, at Stamford Bridge, but the second is a bit random. It was mid nineties um, away at Villa Park, and I think Norwich were one nil up, and it was like probably the scrappiest, scruffiest goal we'd ever scored. It was kind of head tennis, and it hit the post, and I think Mike Milligan might, might have just flicked it in. Wow. Yeah, you're going back, and. Um, and then Dean Saunders came out with an absolute moment of magic. It was an absolute peach of a goal, kind of one touch, edge of the box, got it into the right position and then just smashed top corner. And no one had seen it coming. It was just a terrific goal. And I'm really surprised that people haven't made a bigger deal of it, actually, because he was a brilliant player. So what really was that? Was that, that would have been Prem then? Mid-90s Prem, yeah. so 94 the end of ish, 95-ish. Yeah, it was towards the end of our stay. I think that might have been the season. Might have been played top flight football. That is... <laughs> Going back to your, you know, elite. I, I wouldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't cast him as elite. Drank, drank Norwich dry, I think, at yeah. the time as well. Good lad. Um, okay, so moving on, our final kind of discussion topic this week is around ex Norwich players that we feel, if only they were fit and available and wanted to play for us right now. You know, gaps in the squad. Um, so. I don't know if anyone wants to particularly kick off on this one. Well, I'll so, jump in just because I think everyone else is going to say strikers. I'm not. You would be difficult. I'm going to say Dan Kenton because I loved Dan Kenton. With a, you've read my notes and I've got Dan Kenton written. There. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot. I cannot really rename the man of the match award after. He won it like six games in a row, didn't he? At some stage during his. I'd give it to him every six, game. Centre back. Just superb. But I think the thing with Kenton is we lack at the moment uh, someone who, and now I've just seen that you have written this down, but someone who can play right back and centre half. And he could play in a three, he could play right back, he could play right wing back. And I think we lack that at the moment. And I just love him. And I think that is the gap. You know, it's weird that Andy and I have agreed twice in an evening. But um, that right back is the gap, I think, that, that probably needs to plug in. Because if Evo gets injured, I don't really know what's going on with Russell Martin at the moment. But for me, he's not a fullback anymore. He probably is, and it probably isn't a popular opinion, but he probably is a centre back ahead of being a fullback because he hasn't got the legs to get up and down. Um, anymore so I think you know someone to plug the gap for Evo if and when he gets five bookings will probably be useful I, I agree on Kenton because I, I, he moved into centre back didn't he Kenton mm. so, I, I think he was better as a centre back actually me too I think of him more I thought of him immediately more of a centre back when, when you mentioned him again but yeah I, myself and my father were big big fans of him um, so yeah both, both Di and I are on the same page with regards to, to striking options um, I had a quick look um, I know that we don't play two up front, but I, I still can't understand how we've gone into a season with only two fit strikers at the club, letting you know Carl Marsh go out on loan. Um, you look at pretty much anyone who's doing anything in the top half. So Cardiff and Wolves both have four. Um, Sheffield Wednesday have got seven. <laughs> you know Hooper, Forestieri, Jow, Jordan Rhodes, Stephen Fletcher. So I know that's not seven, but of those seven, those five lads are all people you would expect would be either in and around amongst it and cross if they weren't playing. So. Other managers are managing to keep keep those players at least you know not storming out and hiding behind their gates in in Hooper's case. So Although you could argue that uh, we have obviously Jerome and Oliveira are the two, but you could also argue that Marley Watkins and even Jacob uh, Josh, sorry Josh Murphy would be. But they don't play in that forward position. Well, think, really, well, Watkins did against Brentford, and I only listened to it on the radio. But you know everyone was really complimentary about it, the way he worked the channels. Friend, one of the friendlies, didn't mm. he? But, he was introduced as a yeah. 
and scored a really good goal. I mean, it was a goal from distance, but he scored a really good goal in that. Was it the Brighton friendly that he scored? Yeah, Brighton friendly, the final pre-season game, I think, yeah. But, I mean, I think Stuart Webber's comments this week, last week, maybe about the fact that we've got two properly good championship strikers in in the shape of Nelson Oliveira and, and Cameron Jerome. And he said, if you added a third to that mix, which you would be looking to bottom quality, really, you know, more than anything, he said, good luck managing that because you won't keep them happy. And I think, Going to your point, um, Tom, about Sheffield Wednesday, they play two up front often. You know, usually it's a, a Fletcher or a Rhodes alongside a Hooper, so it's much easier to accommodate that and rotate that. Whereas I don't think we're going to see two up front unless it's you know 85th minute and, and we're trying to get an equaliser. I think we're going to be one up front, pretty rigid, um, with a couple of uh, you know progressive attacking midfielders up with him. So um, it's that yeah. difficult argument though, isn't it? Yeah. If having two fit, mm. or having even one fit, and so if if uh, it's quite well, one's old simple. and one's injury prone and suspension yeah, prone, yeah. and I, you know, again, maybe they only have three then, but just two so just seems. Would you, who but then who's? Old would you and we've got Stephen Naismith. Sorry, Darren Beckford. We, but Darren Beckford. <laughs> <laughs> Darren Kenton, but up front. <laughs> I'd play him there. But I know if people aren't fans of Stephen Naismith, but he's played internationally as a nine. Yep. He's played quite well internationally as a nine, actually. For you know. I've yeah, said it. So did Lafferty. Um, yeah, that is a fair point. But you know, but Lafferty was one of three, and we couldn't keep him happy, could we? Really? I mean, he couldn't it, score. I'd rather have uh, Naismith as a nine than a than a ten. Because he I can't pass. A... He can finish, but he can't pass. Mm. I, I'm, I'm a fan. Of, I'm a fan. Of, I'm a fan of Naismith, and I, I feel given more of a run in the team, things could have been different for the way the way he played. But I know that that's a minority of people. I don't, I don't think he's a team player. I think I can't see Farker. Well, obviously, Farker's I couldn't disagree more. Honestly, I couldn't disagree more. I think he the way that he gets everyone down psychologically. Kind of. I yeah, think he drags everyone up that. psychologically. Well, I, think... I think he's a real winner, and I think he adds the kind of tenacity that is what we have, which is why we haven't managed to stay in the Premier League for more than five minutes. Because we 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 haven't been nasty enough, and I think he adds. Our relegation all goes back to his back heel against Liverpool, and we were we were three one up. Okay, oh. he back heels it. Liverpool nicked it, scored. Russell will be delighted that you've chosen. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> you've chosen that. Yeah, I think that's, that, that wasn't the moment Russell, for me. That yeah. it, but I, I endorsed that as well. It wasn't your fault, mate. There was a beautiful moment there with that Russell Martin pass back where you see it from an angle on a replay and he hits it and then he sees, I think, is it Milner kind of running on to collect it and you just see him mouth, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Check out the Naismith back heels. But I think on Naismith, uh, I, I kind of agree with you, Tom, that he is—he probably could work in a Farker system as well because he's very good. But he's not, is he? He's not been given a... So I think that's well, he's been injured. Him. He's been injured and he was given a go, I think, earlier in the season. and Perhaps that didn't work out in centre mm-hmm. midfield. And that was out of necessity that we had a few midfielders injured and Johnny Housen had just been sold and all the rest of it. But as a, as a forward player, he's very good at educated pressure and he's very good at organising those around him to press as well. And I think that will probably be important I think down the line if he plays. I 100% agree. And I think, um, and this is not an informed opinion by any means, but I, I, I believe had he not have been selected for that Scotland squad in that magical international break where Farker sorted everything out, there's no way Josh Murphy would still be in the team. As much as I really rate Josh Murphy and I want him to be given a chance, some of his lacklustre performances, Naismith would have been in had he have had that same drilling. And, yeah, maybe, but, yeah. but that could be nonsense. He could have decided long before then that Naismith's not for him. Um, but it, I, I have, I've always tended to go for in, in, in enjoy players that, that other 
people get on the back of. I just, <laughs> I, just, yeah, I, I, I like yeah. an underdog, but I just, I just instantly just think, well, no, I'll try and find the things that are good in them. And likewise, when pe- I, I tend to have the inverse reaction to that as well, when people are heaping praise onto players, I yeah, start to think, just is, that he, Josh? is he that good? He's, I mean, the, tr- the transformation with Josh from this time last year, or, you know, from yeah. the beginning of the season last year, it's quite incredible. He's so sturdy, stronger than the ball, he keeps the ball better. And he he's, has produced some you know fantastic support play and goals as he well. He shouldn't have been thrown under the bus by the the manager in the in the. Uh, that was harsh. Yeah, was it mm. the nil nil draw when when he missed those two chances and then and then and then Farker came out. I, I stuff like that should be behind closed doors for me as as, as well as the um, the incident with with him, you know, having to be told off for, for dropping yeah, out the boat. Yeah, maybe he was seeing another Oliveira kind of... Yeah, yeah for, for me, that, that should all be behind... That, that should all be I behind think one of them doors. should have been public and one of them should have been... I, I like it all public, all out in the yeah, open. I, I like this new transparent approach. I think I think this would just be uh, perspex, like where the change room is, <laughs> or just like just, just like webcams. webcams. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you've got the big <laughs> screen, broadcast on the big screen at halftime. That's how I use it, so that you can see what the coaches are whispering to each other. <laughs> so listen, just on Farker, I was at Dortmund at the weekend for a conference of queer football fans. That's what they're called in Germany, and uh, so we had a look around the stadium, and we had a look around the old stadium, which is the uh, Rota Erde, the Red Earth, which is where Farker was last year, and it's. It's just like a park. It's just like a public park. And nobody, I was really disappointed. I kept saying to all these German fans, oh, our manager at Norwich City, he used to be here in the <laughs> second team. And they all went, oh, yeah, David Wagner. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> and they all know David Wagner because Huntsman got in the Should have taken They've some... never uh, heard of Daniel stickers. Fugger. Should have taken yeah. some Along Come Norwich Daniel Fugger stickers available on the website. I did sing they, the they're not. song. Are they not? Oh, they're not. They're not available on the website anymore. But they will be soon. So Collector's items. Along Come Norwich. <laughs> Keep refreshing the website. It's sold out. Shut up, Andy. The Farker sticker is still on the Ipswich sign, though, we... Uh, today, two yes. months on, that's train station, station. still has it. So, moving on uh, to what wraps us up this week, which is the Along Come Norwich quiz. Di, as we mentioned at the top, uh, Rich from Little Yellow Bird, Little Yellow Bird Project, Project um, did ever so well, getting one and a half out of six. Bear in mind that the half that won it for him was uh, because I cocked up a question. <laughs> Randomly <laughs> gave awarded. Him, gave him a sympathy half point, which John has not been cross about for a fortnight. Clearly. Not competitive, <laughs> No, so... Best of luck, Di. You have got 60 seconds to answer six questions about Norwich City Football Club. When you give a wrong answer, I will move on and I will come back again to that question repeatedly until Andy says time. Okay. Best of luck. Your time starts now. Norwich City's League Cup winning managers were Willie Reid and who? Ken Brown. Correct. In which season did we last win a league title? A league title? Ooh. Did we win a league title? In which year? Yeah, did we last win any league, any fight you like? League title. Oh, so League One we won, didn't we? No, we didn't. I don't know, 1956. Moving on, uh, name, the three, <laughs> name the three players to have worn number two in the Premier League for Norwich. Ooh. Adam Jury? Incorrect. Oh. Moving on. Who won Player of the Season the year before Grant Holt's three-year run began? Earnshaw? Incorrect. Oh. Where is Lewis Ramsey on loan? Rotherham. Time. It's a it's a stellar one out of six. Oh no! 
<laughs> I'm so sorry. I um, was doing really well. I, I joined, I joined the club. It's actually, it's actually one club. out of five because I didn't get to number six. It is tricky when the, when the pressure is didn't on. Didn't I start it so I finished? Um, no. 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 <laughs> I'm so sorry. So, no. so well, just, what, we'll, just run, we'll, well, I'll just run you through the couple that were, were slightly wayward. Okay. Um, in 1956. We won, we won League One. We did win League One. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I just, kind of... It was nearly. Myself, it's not. 1956 was close. It was 2009-2010. So that is close. Um, I said League One, and then I like, no, we can't. Yeah, Leeds won. Okay, never mind. And the three players to have worn number two in the Premier League for Norwich, gentlemen, would you like to have a bash at this? Edworthy, incorrect.
the you got to say the song right. Tristan Abrahams was at Leighton Orient and got recalled because they didn't play him. Well, we kept him, didn't we? He kept playing for our development squad on the Friday night, and then he was too tired to play on a Saturday, obviously. So. No, I don't think he played for the development squad. He did. I think he just trained. No, he played. Play nicely, boys. Um, and then, who scored for us at home against Sunderland? Lewis Graben. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course he did. So, Good question. Um, Di has got <clears throat> nil. Um, <laughs> but John's got a massive proud. three. So, <laughs> it's all on the line, Andy. Can you get three or more? Your time starts now. Which Welsh manager has been in charge of the club twice? Pass. In which season did we last win the second flight league title? Uh, 2003 4. Correct. Name three players to have worn number three in the Premier League for Norwich Adam Drury. Correct. Stephen Wicker. Correct. Uh, Ian Carverhouse. Incorrect. Who was the first Irish player to win player of the season for Norwich? Wes Hulan. Incorrect. Where is Sean Raggett on loan? Lincoln. Correct. Uh, who scored our winning goal against Sheffield United earlier this season? Yannick. Correct. Going backwards, who is the Welsh manager who's been in charge of the club twice? Pass. Um, you, can you give me another number three player in the Premier League for Norwich to award number three in the Premier League? Uh, a left back from that 92-93 season. Someone like Polston? Incorrect. First Irish player to win player of the season? Keith O'Neill. Okay. Well, you got a massive five, wow. which is we're really going up in the world now. John, any comment on questions that are harder than yours or easier than yours? Definitely harder. Okay. Yeah. So the Welsh manager, Di John, the Welsh manager who's been in charge of the club twice. Mike Walker. Correct. Is he Welsh. Yeah. Um, the uh, the other couple of number three where is in the Premier League, Rob Newman. Ah. And much more recently, Andre Andre Wisdom. Oh, did he? Yeah. Um, the first Irish player to win the season for Norwich was... Brady? No. Didn't win it. What year was it? 2006. Oh, shit, no. No, oh, no idea. Not a clue. Gary Doherty. The dog. Oh, the <laughs> dog. Ginger Pele. Yeah, so that wraps things up this week with a fantastic win for Andy with, with five points out of a possible nine or something. Thank is you very much. Is what going to be a league table? Well, oh, the results? Yeah. Oh, there's so, definitely going to be a league so table have, on top of it. Yeah, yeah. we're going to have... Get, well, you're not top. The guests are level with you. I think five. Oh, yeah, he wants to be top five one point top. scored. <laughs> well, I'm, no. I'm top. So I'm, you're going to be mentioning me every week. We will, we will work out some kind of league table. The boys will just debate it long into the night. We will see you next time. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.